If you've ever felt isolated, confused, or overwhelmed by midlife changes, you're not alone. Welcome to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. I'm so happy you're here. I'm the author of Me, Myself, and I, a midlife coach and public speaker. My mission is to create deeper conversations with dynamic people from all walks of life about how midlife's completely shifted who they thought they were and ultimately how they've come to see themselves again. When it comes to navigating the funky junk of midlife identity loss and the unnamed grief that goes along with it, it's time for straight talk. Get ready for real stories, real connection, and real hope accompanied by a little bit of humor and a whole lot of love. You're now part of Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Good afternoon. I am here with my guest, or good morning, depending on where you are, or maybe even good evening. Hell, who knows? In this world, it could be any time of day at any point. <laughs> Welcome to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. My guest with me is Renee Terrell. And she is a woman of many things, uh, many talents, and a bright light in this world. And basically, what would you call yourself? A medium, a psychic? Uh, like, how would you define yourself? I am a I am a medium and a psychic. So oftentimes we're called a psychic medium because we have both qualities, right? So medium, intuitive, healer, gosh, teacher. Yeah. So maybe tell me a little bit about how many years you've been doing this and, you know, just to get a lay of the land before we start getting into the nitty gritty. So I used to perceive things as a child, but it was very scary. I'm also more of the Gen X arena, you know, or generation where it wasn't as talked about. It was more unknown, less acceptable, right? If people were picking up on ghosts or hypersensory and so because it was scary for me, I learned to tune things out, try and shut them down, try to ignore them, manage life as stressful as it was, you know, for most of us. And when I got into martial arts in the early 90s, because I learned about getting present and still in the moment and empty, so meaning no thought, all of my gifts cracked back open in a big way. But I got curious about them and got very intrigued about energy and this and that and the other. And I started doing uh, psychic sessions, intuitive sessions in the latter part of the 90s. So kind of mid to late 90s, and, which does not seem that long ago. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I was thinking like shoulder pads. Are we still in that hammer pants? Where were we? <laughs> oh, so I have pictures of those shoulder pads. I may still have an outfit or two. And so big hair, you know, all that good, all that good stuff. And so I started doing session work then. Um, but it took me a few years into doing session work for some clients to actually say, Renee, you don't understand. You're like this John Edward guy. And I'm like, oh, I saw him on TV. Okay. But still didn't think that's what I did um, until I started, you know, I had read a book of his. Crossing over. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Like that was my first entry into this whole world too, because I would be, it was like 11 o'clock at night or whatever. His show would come on yeah. and I would watch. He had a gallery of people. Yep. And then he would be like, I'm sensing there's a sergeant in the area. Yeah, like, normally they'd go, no, no. And the wife is like, honey, your dad, the sergeant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do have happened with clients as well. So 
Um, but it was lovely because this gal was like, Renee, you don't understand what you're doing. And she meant it in a beautiful way. She's like, you should read this guy's book. And I did. And I went, oh, my God, this is what I'm doing. So I have been a medium since I was little. I've been doing sessions for people for nearly 24 years now, which is amazing. Um, and I love the work. I love helping people. I love bringing light. I love bringing closure, clarity, any kind of empowerment or healing that we can for people anyway, because we do need light in this world. And the work is never boring. How do you think the work of, like, say, connecting? Because I've been to two of your sessions. So for people that don't understand what the work is, sure, it's basically looking and, and sitting and hanging out. And then maybe your grandmother who's passed on comes in and has some some things to say, or your uncle or your dad or a sister or a child. I sure. mean, it could be anybody, but how do you think that helps heal people? Oftentimes, uh, information and communication comes up for things that we're needing closure on that maybe we didn't get to discuss or handle properly. Um, when people are on the other side, I like to call them their healthier, happy versions of themselves now. <laughs> They're not in the same damaged state that we may have here in bodies. All the organic bits, you know, our psyche, our chemistry, our wiring, our damage, all that stops with the body stopping. And they get clarity when they cross. And so oftentimes it is repair work that they're needing to do with the loved one that's still living. And also, even more importantly, helping people understand that this is not our infinite form as humans. Life still continues beyond this body. And the work of mediumship is to provide proof of that afterlife to provide that the soul still goes on that they're still connected in different ways with us should we choose right and usually if there is a beautiful bond or connection but that we don't just die there's more after this life so it gives people closure healing bit of respite but this idea of connectedness and also that there's something beautiful after this world, which is really nice to know right about now with everything going on in the world anyway. It brings up two questions. So what does proof look like? And what do you, how do you sort of navigate the skeptics? Like, oh, she probably looked you up on the internet or something. I hear that when I go, like when I tell people, sure. oh, I'm going to see a psychic or I'm going to see a medium. And I'm like, yeah, my grandmother came in and she was there and blah, blah, blah. And she's and they're like, you know, their eyebrow raises the one eyebrow. Um, and sure. I think ultimately people want to believe. Yeah. But what is, what would proof, is it different for every person? Uh, it is different for every person. So what's interesting is I've actually had clients tell me after sessions that they came in under a nickname, a fake name. Do you know what I mean? Like a, if I had time to research people, it would be helpful, but the things that are coming in aren't things that you can research anyway. So right. The client that comes in doesn't say, hey, here's my life story, Renee. Now, what do you think? Right. I don't know what they're there for. And I don't want to know because I want to know it's not my brain anyway. So we sit down and we see who and what shows up and they will come in and say, I'm their dad. And I'll go, oh, my gosh, you lost the dad. And sometimes they're like, no. And I'm like, really? Because there's a guy here that says he's your dad. And they'll go, well, not recently. And then I, of course, inwardly sigh and say, these here. Um, so who they are, how they connect with the individual, generally information about how they pass, 
um, information about their life. They'll start talking about your current life and things that are going on. Or if you've been thinking about them and in what way, they bring up issues that you may have had, details, and their personality. For me, it's really about getting who they are to come across. Because even if we were able to research data, which, dear God, I don't have time for, no. We're picking up on people that sometimes clients only knew when they were five, but they have those memories. There's no way to dig that up. And their personality and details that mean something to the client. It doesn't make sense, some of it, to me when I'm getting it, because it's not information for me. And I love that, too. It's beautiful to hear a client go, oh, my gosh, I had one earlier this morning that she lost a sweetheart. And he started talking about, it blew my mind, swear to God, um, he was coming in like a rock star, loves music, was saying he was hanging out with the rock stars. And I was like, well, this is fun. And so she said, oh, my God, I was going to ask you that. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> that's great. So he kept telling me over and over in my head that he was hanging out with Kurt Cobain, not somebody I'm particularly drawn to. I know who it is. Amazing musician. We know the story, right? But it, it's nothing that's in my realm of reference. And so I told her, he said he's hanging out with Kurt Cobain. He is hanging out, you know, with this other rock star, um, Jimi Hendrix, and a whole bunch of other people. And I said, this is tripping me out, but it's so surreal. You know, I don't want to be one of those Elvises in the room. And, you know, the phony psychics we used to hear about in the 90s. Um, and her mouth dropped and she said, well, Kurt Cobain was his guy. Like, this is his idol. This is the person that he emulated. So when you get little things like that that are specific for him and for her that they understand, I'm not going to be able to pick this out of anywhere. And it was wonderful because she had just been wondering if he was, you know, like, if he was hanging out with the rock stars, had he gotten to meet so-and-so, so random on my end, but so meaningful on her end too. So it's the little nuggets of information that strike home, right? That hit the heart. Yeah, I mean, I experienced that because when I came to you last time, uh, my dad came through and the, immediately the first thing you said was, he's funny. Yeah. I like him. <laughs> you know? And he, you know, and you could get a sense that he was charming. I think yeah. he used the word that he's charming and he was charming. And so it, it made sense and it and it felt right that he would show up and that you would perceive him in that way. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's something for anyone to pay attention to. It should resonate. When something's true or when something's right, intuitively we know. It doesn't matter what I say. It matters how we receive it, right? Or how it's received by the client. And it rings true or strikes true as who you know, right? Or what you know. I think what gets any of us in trouble is if we start getting too analytical about things and splitting hairs and then we miss the beauty of it. And it brings wonderful relief I think oftentimes just knowing they're there somewhere or somehow that they visit right that they're okay and that they're still them but happier or healthier yeah and I was going to ask about that too because I was wondering when you're getting these these bits and pieces of information and they're and they're coming in sure what does that feel like or what does that how does that transpire for you? Like what, what happens when, you know, if I were to sit in front of you or we were to have a session, how do you, what happens? Yeah. Great question too. So the way in which each medium perceives, right. Varies. And if we, people talk about different channels or, or their different gifts 
And the easiest way to translate that is which senses we tend to utilize the most for perception. When I'm perceiving people in spirit, it varies depending on how the person in spirit is coming through and their own style. So sometimes I'm seeing them or I'm getting imagery in my head. Most of the time, because I'm very auditory, I'm actually hearing them. So it is actually like I'm relaying on the phone. I'm hearing it, hearing it loud and clear, catching up as I'm listening, right? Because I'm the new kid in the room and relaying it just as I get it. And I love auditory because I can't accidentally misinterpret that. I also, though, sometimes with the images that I get in my head, maybe thoughts the person is having or ideas or memories that they're pondering at the moment trying to get, to get across. I intuitively will feel things and know things. But I also, because I'm a trans medium, meaning uh, I can physically share space and energetically share space within my body or around me to hold their energy, right? So they use me as a battery to come through. Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, great example of it. I don't like the full takeover. It's too exhausting. Um, but I can also, unfortunately for me, um, embody the memories of how they passed too. So a lot of times I'll feel, oh my goodness, this person had an aneurysm, but in their head because I've got a headache and it feels like something gave way. Or, oh my goodness, I can hear in my head that it was an accident, but I can feel where it happened, right? Or what happened. So it's getting these pieces of the puzzle that come in. And depending on how my energy is obviously doing, how comfy the client is, it's like a conference call, but also how that person in spirit is getting the hang of the ropes. Like if we're, we're meeting in the middle nicely with communicating, it's a, kind of like an elaborate game of charades. But if they're great communicators, full, big, beautiful, clear information. Does it require like a light switch or a, or a, you know, where you turn it on and off? Because I would imagine yeah. if you have that gift, like whoop, whoopee, once she had it, everybody was like hanging Again. around. <laughs> no, like you're that beacon of transmission. Yeah. Do they hang around like before, like, let's say I have an appointment on a Wednesday. Is my dad going to come knocking on your door on a Tuesday saying I'm, I'm here, I'm ready. Yes, they do. And had you have asked me about that, gosh, maybe even 15 years ago, I would have said that's nuts. That can't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, no way. Because I was scared of it as a kid, the beautiful thing is because I learned to shift my awareness away from it. It kind of taught me how to tune in, tune out, right? Pay attention to it, not pay attention to it. And when I do session work, I have a process of grounding and clearing and aligning and prayer work, etc., that puts me kind of in the right trance mode, the uh, lightly meditative or hypnotic space. And then when I'm done with sessions, I have another process to say, all right, everybody, out you go. Like everybody head home. Last call, right? Like you're good. You can't stay here. Um, and then I shift my focus to normal day-to-day -day work. At night, however, if I do not now say, because I'm even more sensitive than I was before, because I'm paying more attention, if I don't ask the angels to clear the room and also put out a note to say, if anyone is here wanting to talk to a loved one, go stay with them until we're on right video or we're on the phone or we're in person, don't come early, I will get woken up over and over and over and over until, until it's time to figure out where they go. Then I'm stuck with some person all day going, gosh, that's not your dad, is it? Okay, great. Next client. <laughs> nope, not yours either. Oh, that's where you go. 
Right. And it sounds crazy, but I know I'm perceiving it. So then I just have to be patient and wait to see where it fits. Because they get excited like we do to connect. They really do to have that opportunity to pass on, right, information to work through another person to be heard more clearly, right, to be understood in a better way. Because it may be their only opportunity to be perceived. Do they know that? Yeah, they do. They do. And it also leads me into it doesn't matter whether it's on the phone, doesn't matter whether it's on Zoom, doesn't matter whether it's on in person. Um, I used to do radio shows all the time and they'd be like, here's Mary, Renee, what do you got for her? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, well, her mom just passed of cancer, you know, so it's because it's energetically connecting. Mm -hmm. Space doesn't matter for them, right? They're coming into our energy but time's not the same for them. It, the easiest way to describe it is they kind of move at light speed. We think of that with the cosmos. We have gravity. Things move slower down here. So time for them, an hour, let alone a day, could be just a blip, right, of a second. So oftentimes they'll show up early because they're supposed to be showing up. Do they get sad? Do they miss us? Do they miss being able to hold us or connect with us? Oh, thankfully... Uh, from what I've learned and I, everything that I understand and believe is because of the things I've learned from people on the other side, not stuff I just picked up out of a book or ways I was raised. And I'm always open to still learning because there's more for us to know. They thankfully have sentiment, but they don't embody upset emotions the way that we do. So do they miss us? Absolutely. However, they can visit and connect with us or be aware of what's happening more easily than we can them. So they're not left out as much as we might think. They have a better experience from their end, the better end of the stick, I like to say. Do they wish, however, that they could be physically present? Yes. Hold us, touch us, be more in the day-to-day, absolutely, yes. Thankfully, they don't have the pain, the grief, the agony that we do in missing them because the connection... Yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, whenever I try to think of my grandma and I try to imagine what she's up to, or whatever, you know, I know that, that she would, she would hold me if she could. Yes, she would. She said every day. She said every day. I heard every day. Yep. Every day. And so often we get clues, you know, cues like that from them that are so subtle that we miss it thinking it's just random thought. Yeah. And that's something that we can pay more attention to too, what pops in that we're not expecting that we then, right. Try to argue with or discern. So I'm sitting here with you and I'm talking about her. Did she know that I was talking about her? Is that why she said that? Like, how does that work? Yep. So because she's connected to you and your energy, right? When you think of them, they're already linked and around, sometimes more fully, sometimes off in the heavens, right? But they can shoot a message in. Um, she's around you so regularly that as you're thinking about her and talking about her, she's just stepping in because she's there. Got it. She's a regular. <laughs> For people that wonder how to manifest the reality of those connections in the tangible form, they imagine the light switches or the rattling of chairs or things. Like, sure. how, does that, how does that play into it? Like the physical manifestation of reaching out. Yeah. Those are actually so much more difficult than people understand for them to do physical things like that. It is more common, generally, not always, generally, 
when people have more recently passed because our energy is still physically dense. We're used to being in bodies. Mm -hmm. As we kind of heal, progress, as they call it, as we lighten up, as we start shifting more to that light body or light form, we get lighter. So doing the physical things is more difficult because they have to condense their energy to create matter or move things. So Patrick Swayze in the movie Ghost had to learn to channel his emotion, right? To move the penny, right? Or the can. And so that's a great example of it. There's a lot of great examples in that movie. And so initially when they first passed, they're, they try to be more active, but they still have to learn how to do it. Because I think sometimes we assume that they're just instant pros of enlightenment or communication. But if this wasn't their thing, they're still sorting it out and trying to figure out how things work and how to do things. They're learning as we do. They just do it faster than we do. And so they will work on ways to just get us to pay attention. Notice that we're there. Little calling cards, those, right? Little signs. And oftentimes they'll come up with their own kind of hallmark signs or signatures. You know, if dragonflies were their thing, then you start spotting them in odd places at odd times. Um, sometimes we get kind of the pennies from heaven if they leave you pennies, but they're in weird places at odd times, right when you need it. And it couldn't have been there before or wasn't a second ago. That's them maneuvering things. They will try and play with electricity because they're energy. It's a little easier to bump circuits. I had a DJ once though, and I'm digging out these earlier recordings to transfer to digital because they're on earlier tapes. Um, but I had a DJ once that apparently the morning show, they were all arguing about whether mediums were legit or not, right? And I'm just young and naive and they wanted somebody on. So I was like, okay, this should be fun. And he actually said, there's no way that a spirit can turn a light on or off. It's just a shifting or a settling of the house crossing the wires. And I said, do you know how much a house would have to shift for it to switch the electricity that way? Um, but I am very logical as much as I am spiritual. So Yes, if your light bulb's burning out, okay, fine. But if it's odd patterning, if it's irregular, if it's in ways that don't make sense, and sometimes even the timing of it, and you get a vibe with it, there's generally more there. Reason does need to prevail, right? If we think everything's a sign, then we get in trouble too. But Yeah, and I think that that is up to us. There was a great movie called Contact. It was a Jodie Foster film. and Oh, yes. And uh -huh. she goes into this realm and at the, you know, she was always very scientific and very skeptical. And uh, she ends up sort of going into this realm and she sees her father who had passed away in this place where she traveled and she comes back. And in her mind, she had gone on this way grand adventure and all these things had happened in her experience. And she came back and it was like a second on earth or whatever, five seconds or whatever yeah. it was. It's like, yeah. I saw, I was there, I was there. I really, no, really, I was there. And everybody's like, yeah, right, whatever. But, <laughs> right, you blacked out. But the big question for her and for anybody who experiences something like this was, was it real? And the question of why you question whether it was real is interesting because I think we want to fuck it all up. Yeah. Oh, goodness, the mind, the mind always loves to help but it's rarely helpful right? i mean but you yes. feel it you feel the that's difference. how you know you feel the difference i call it i mean i have a whole thing about talisman in my life i'm a strong believer. I love that. 
in the talisman that are there, whether I leave them for people or I find them or they're left for me or they're from some place. And yes, the difference of a talisman in my mind is that there are, there could be a a million explanations, but there's only one feeling that goes with it. Bingo. So you'll know by how it makes you feel always, how it resonates, how it moves you. Right. And The other thing that keeps running through my head as you're talking is if it's real to you, that's all that matters. It's how it impacts you. So talismans, great example. There are different meanings to different people, different values or levels of importance. For some, no charge, no weight. Someone else, oh my goodness, it's the miracle they've been looking for. You know, it is whatever's appropriate for each individual. And the meaning is going to vary. Right. And the meanings will vary. And what would you say to people who are afraid? That they don't need to be. We definitely don't want blind belief because that's not healthy either. Right. But to be skeptical in a healthy way, but curious because all of the work that I've ever done, despite, you know, people talking about darkness and this and that and the other, all of the work that I've ever done, even dealing with people that were so damaged, right? When they were alive that have died has always been beautifully healing, always. So there is always divinity tied to it. There's always healing or empowerment. There's better beyond this place. It's not limited by human constructs. Uh, with all of the, the pain, the darkness, the sadness, right? The ulterior motives, today's day and age. There's no more of the crazy, you know, and sorry, that's not PC, but uh, it's true. So there's none of the insanity anymore. And most often, I think that the fear is that we're hoping that it really is true or that it really can work. And so what you do is you just start paying attention to the synchronicities, to the signs, to the regularity of it. And we end up developing a kind of trust with our experiences over time. And it's good that the mind question stuff is trying to keep us safe. However, here's another great rule of thumb. If you have an experience and then the mind questions it, the experience preceded thought, it wasn't your brain. You didn't imagine it because the mind's questioning the experience. The experience precedes the thinking. How's that for fun logic? And very true. No, it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I guess that could be true with just about anything, but particularly mm-hmm. with this, I would think, and this meaning the things we can't explain and don't necessarily understand through our minds, but yeah. we have in our hearts these spaces of hope and um, dream yeah. or, you know, because it is a mystery here and now. But I think at the heart of it all, we want to believe. Yeah, it is our nature to want to believe, but it's also in our nature to know that it's true. It's helping the mind understand it enough to feel safe enough with it, to allow it. And the mind means well by getting in the way. It just doesn't always have the right tools to go about it efficiently. Generally, it creates what we're not wanting. Generally, it creates more discord, more fear, more disconnect, right? More separation rather than allowing us to, in a safe way, explore possibilities, potentials. And that adds to our hope when we can see that there may be possibly something 
better rather than stewing in the muck over and over, right? Our natures are like. Give you comfort like, to know that. Does it give you comfort in your life as a human being doing this life? Does it provide a sense of a backdrop or a context that, that offers yes, you comfort? Because I connect more with my own inner knowing, my own present kind of minded connectiveness. Uh, I call it being in tune, right? So I connect with the divine source, God. We've got all eternal consciousness. We've got so many names for it. In that space, which is so meditative and it's calm mind, we're experiencing, we're sensing, we're perceiving rather than overly thinking all the time. I'm calm so much of the time. And it is a great tool with just everything going on today, it's one of the ways that I stay sane is to go back to that connectedness, to go back to that quiet, to go back to that inner knowing, because in that space, I know things will be okay. You know, even with the utter turmoil and chaos that's going on, there's this strong inner, not false hope. There's a strong inner knowing that it's going to be fine. And even when, uh, we just lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I crashed, you know, the last bit of what I was holding together started to sever. And I heard very clearly in my head, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. We need the light to keep going. So I had that internal support. And when we have connectedness, this is where the hope comes in. Whether you call that angels, whether people call that guides, talismans, totems, right? God, goddess, the universe, the force. doesn't matter what that is to someone. It's this eternal consciousness. It's truth beyond what we know within our brain, which is more of a computer, isn't it? So it keeps us calmer. Is it is it like a meditation practice for you? Or what does that mean? Yes, except for me, uh, I work on each moment being a moving meditation. Okay. So being present in the now. So you you connect to that thing and in 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 it's not like you sit down for half an nope. hour on a cushion and nope. light some incense. Each moment breathing, no. being mindful, being right in the moment, and being willing to experience everything as it is, whether I like it or I don't like it. Dealing with the cards that I'm dealt with, right? Deciding what I'm doing with it and about it, but staying right here and not in my head all the time, not cross-referencing all the time, not getting too cerebral. Because when we do that like digging around in old files. All our answers aren't in there anyway. That's why the brain goes through crazy. doesn't have all that data. It's a more peaceful existence just to be. Do people that pass away that weren't necessarily peaceful, is there a process of death and crossing over and elevation of spirit that is different for everybody, like in terms of time and process yes what's so tricky is we're so used to time and perceiving things over time so our perception of their process would be that we might experience that they seem stuck or that they're working things out a little longer and they they experience it in a much quicker fashion again they move quicker than we do so like the movie contact you were talking about she had all these huge experiences in a second right or a moment minutes. And so, yes, there is this kind of, for all of us, healing and evolution. But what first happens when we leave the body 
is that all those organic bits stop. So the chemistry, the wiring that might be off, any mental illness we have, the damage stops right away. And the light comes in. So we'll call that clarity. Clarity and knowing starts coming in. We're not confined anymore by our thinking or our wiring or construct. With that awareness then also comes the understanding of the what's and the why's, which helps the soul start healing, doesn't it? And generally, in most cases, people choose to atone for whatever happened or balance it out or make it better or make it right. So there's definitely this process of, we call it progression or lightening up. But as we also resolve things on our own end, don't we feel lighter? As we let things go, as we are less stressed, we get lighter, freer. And that's an easy way to explain that too. So yes, progression, some are a little quicker than others. You know, if we have a lovely great aunt that was a saint, ah, she's already in there. (laughs) No problem. But people that weren't the best of individuals, they work quietly behind the scenes to repair what they did or try to rectify what happened. And not just to let themselves off the hook, but to free the individual they've harmed. And it is rare, 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 as much as we might imagine it or think it, it is rare for people that were a problem in life to want to hang out and still make problems. That's human idea of what happens after. It's usually our own constructs and fear that make us perceive that. They usually are trying to get their own stuff in order or trying to be helpful. And they are remarkably respectful, which is interesting. I can always tell when somebody's been a mess because they're usually a little quieter in the back. Fidgety, kind of like, oh, hey. And I'm in my head asking, what'd you do? (laughs) Come on, what happened? So uh, there can be a respectful space, you know, or distance in there, a bit of awkwardness, definitely a sense of remorse or guilt. And they don't lie where they are because they don't need to. There's no agenda anymore. Yeah. There's nothing to win over. And I have never asked, I've never heard one ask for a client's forgiveness. They are generally the ones coming in, creating it for themselves, taking responsibility for what they've done. It's more that they're trying to free the client. The first time I came to you, my dad had come in and he had said that he wanted me to know he would have been there more if he could have. Mm. And that he was proud of me. And uh, there was one other thing he had said, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, but the idea was that I, it was the first time I had really heard those words to where he put them in words that he wanted to be for me more. Yeah. That he actually got it and wanted, wanted to, and is now able to express it, right. To have a better clarity. And that's healing too. Sometimes all we need is kids, even though we're big kids now. Uh, Sometimes the inner workings of us just need to know they get it, just need to know that they're not doing it anymore, but that they also really realize it, that it's in there somewhere. Because I think at heart, the little kid in all of us is just wanting to be loved, wanting to be seen, wanting to be understood. We want them to be aware of what they just weren't getting (laughs) when they were here. We want them to understand, right? So that we can all be okay together. And or they can just move on, (laughs) depending on the relationship, right? Yeah, and I think for you, so you do this work, and this is part of how you um, 
see the see the world right you see the world you can see layers to the world yeah. and you can see layers beyond the world and you can feel them and understand them and then you have to sort of be in the world that's tricky day. what do you do when you're like standing in line at winco oh my god <laughs> like, so, you know your life boring you're like got laundry to do but shit you just talk to like Kurt Cobain or whatever and I'm, and I'm tired like this is this is beautiful but emotionally and energetically exhausting work right so um because there's a lot pouring through me all the time right grief and upset and they're borrowing my energy and I'm embodying it and, you know there's just a lot that happens and so I kind of giggle about this one because I can't always shut it off anymore I used to be better at it but uh in the earlier days I would be in the grocery store line and get the biggest like shiver chill like someone had poked me in the neck and I would look on you know and I'm sorry this is again not PC terminology but I would look like I was having a seizure for a mini moment and somebody poking at me and I in my head would be like knock it off I'm not doing it and you know I had to make a deal with them to say look if you want your people to come see you know like get help I'm cool with that but get them into the office I'm tired I can't work 24 7 I just can't but I did make a deal with them early on. I don't do this anymore, but if they bring up John Edward or they bring up angels or they, you know, like a cue word that I know that they're ready to hear something that I know it's okay, then okay. You know, so I'll get the cute older gal talking about her husband and her surgery. And I'm like, dude, he's standing right there. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and in comes the cue. And so, uh, and it, this is actually kind of one of my loving soapbox moments, you know, that I have oftentimes with students when I'm helping them understand their gifts more too. It's not my job. It's not anybody's job to just start A, reading people, right? B, let alone giving, right? Information. Even if you pick it up because they may not be ready for it yet. It's energetically taxing. There's a kind of ethic here. And I love, love, love the East Coast medium. Don't get me wrong. But I kind of joke about being more West Coast in this, in that there we have to make sure somebody's emotionally ready enough for whatever it is that's coming through. We need permission for that to be the case. But I also can't work 24-7 either. And as soon as I open that Pandora's box, all my health goes to heck in a handbasket. It's too much. Do you ever have like a lot of people at once? Have you ever had like a committee or yeah. a party or, a yeah. you know, what is that all about? Would be very confusing. A couple different ways to look at that. So I can have one person in a session and they've got 50 loved ones over there and I'm trying to work through them and I can get 12, but we're missing one. And I'm like, hang on, <laughs> let's get them too. Um, but, uh, and it can get noisy. Thank heavens. I usually, as part of my connection process, ask that they speak one at a time, that they use their words. I want to see them. I want to hear them but they only show up at the right time with the right client. Now, when we do groups, so the gallery readings, things like that, um, which we were going to have one this year. I haven't had one for years because I'm so busy, but we're going to have one and then COVID happens. So we're waiting, but with groups um, and, or I could even just be teaching a regular class that has nothing to do with it and be like, I'm not here for that. <laughs> nope. Sorry, grandma. Nope. Not right now, dad. Um, but when we do gallery readings, it's really tricky because you can have a room full of 50 people, hundreds of people. I've had hundreds. And then we're going, okay, great. Who do you belong to? Who is this? So they come in and say, here's who I am. Here's a little bit about me. Here's how I fit. And then we're like, ah, it's right in this group right in here. I think it's like they'll line it up as to who they go to. 
but we have to do one at a time. Otherwise, it is way too much. It's like having too many radio stations on at the same time, right? And hodgepodgey, where I'm like, I have this piece, this piece, this piece. I don't know whose they are. This is not helping me, folks, right? So one at a time is easier. Then we move along. You have conversations with people in your own family? I do. And uh, it is very poignant because I have, because I joke about having come out of the spiritual closet. And I say that with love and utter respect to other communities because that's sometimes their term. But um, I was the first to really embrace what it is that I have. It runs in both sides of my family, which I didn't find out about until I started speaking up more about it. And at first it was like, no, 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 no. Now everybody's fine with it. But because I do, as we started losing more family members, it helped the families start looking for them, connect to them, watching for signs from them. And uh, when one of my grandfathers died, you know, it helped the family know what to do and what to watch for. We lost a cousin of ours, unfortunately, and I've been able to work with the family to connect with him. I do this with friends, you know, other loved ones, and it helps in time of need but it's been beautiful for them to be more comfortable and open that they can have that for themselves too or feel safe enough that it's okay what does it bring you i mean it's great that you help other people but i'm interested like when you say you talk to people who have passed the first thing you did was talk about how it helps other people i know it's my nature i can't help it i know (laughs) how does it it help you so on that note the helping other people feeds me do you know what I mean so that's just the caring that's the caring heart in me so that does at least do something for me but it brings great comfort for me to get signs you know from my own loved ones and just as everybody else does sometimes they could be so subtle that I'm like wait really was that you you know and I have to remind myself stop asking you already know you know it can be so subtle so simple but it is so healing it is nurturing it is reassuring it brings utter joy when something pops in and you go oh hey nice to know you're there nice to know you're around like i've been thinking about you too and fun to then be able to connect though with family and say um why do they keep talking about this particular cartoon <laughs> oh because we talked about that yesterday great <laughs> so it is fun it's intriguing it's fascinating but it's healing and I think it is uh, a time of where we're at in our lives when we're trying to make sense. We can't even make sense of the shit that is here. Oh, amen. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like the shit that's here. I can't make sense of any of it. Uh-huh. So that stuff even seems more reasonable to me. <laughs> I, know. I love like, listen to that one. I know. Listen to that one for a minute. And I'm, I'm so right on board with you. It's Spirit, funny. Spirit world is easy for me. This is not, this is a no brainer because, right? because it's very, Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. A pun not intended, not my word. <laughs> they're more transparent was the term I heard meaning more honest, more genuine, but I like the pun that they're transparent because yes, they really are invisible or see-through too. Sorry, not my fault. Um, <laughs> but hilarious. They're just more genuine. They're more honest. They're more well down to earth, reasonable, clear in everything. There's no agendas. Whereas with humans, oh my goodness sakes, we're dealing with so many different shapes and sizes and varieties of animals, right? Of creatures, of wiring, of constructs that we're dealing with and layers or levels of consciousness and unconsciousness. And 
Yeah, we'll leave it there because it can get pretty dark, but it's it's insane down here right now. And I honestly think that a lot of it's because most people are living in a trance every day. They're in an unconscious hypnotic state. We're being filled with propaganda everywhere. People are in their head all the time. They're not right out here. They're spouting stuff that's running around in their head. They're talking to the stuff in their head. They're screaming it at one another. People aren't engaging anymore. And so it's stuff. It's not even the people connecting anymore. It's just stuff that's being thrown about. Oh my goodness sakes. And when we look at that, at least 70% of people's behavior is subconsciously driven anyway, that's scary because the other 30% that we would hope is consciously driving the computer, they're not either. Kind of reminds us of the walking dead <laughs> or invasion of the body snatchers, right? It totally feels that way. I mean, there's no, you know, it does, it does feel that way. And I often think to myself, well, if my grandma was here, if I could talk to her, because she was my voice of reason and, and love. If my grandma was here and, you know, what would she say or how would she deal with these things? There would be those moments Absolutely. when I wish I could tap in yeah, because that's wisdom beyond wisdom yep. of whatever bullshit's yep. going on around me. And that's what I sometimes feel like I need. Absolutely. We all do. I think that we have to remember that people are doing the best they can, even if it's really not great, that we need to connect to the humanity within one another with appropriate boundaries, however, right? That we can honor differences of opinion or ways of life or ways of being so long as we do not tolerate hate, discrimination, abuse, right? If it is something that is abusive, uh-uh, no. We can be diversified. We can be different. We can have different thoughts and ideas and care about each other as humans, but not tolerate the divisiveness, right? The hate, the separation, the trauma or the abuse. That's not acceptable. And I, I just heard in my head, Love them anyway, but you still have to love yourself enough to honor what you need for your well-being and being okay too, right? I did also hear, and to stand for those that can't for themselves. That would be something from your grandmother. Love them anyway, but stand for those that can't for themselves, right? So we be caring. We have compassion that people are doing the best they can, no matter how interesting it may be. <laughs> nice term, subtle term. But we don't tolerate what shouldn't be acceptable. We don't tolerate abuse, hate. You stand up for those less fortunate. You speak for those that don't have voices. We do the right thing. And that's one of the beauties of their generation. They went through those early world wars. They saw what we're seeing now. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but guess what? History is repeating itself. I'm consciously watching. And I get caught up in the propaganda, you know, that's being flung about on all sides. I keep seeking truth, not my thought of it, but what resonates. And what it's really about is how we get everything back to the heart. Get everybody back to the heart of what matters caring about one another. We're all in this together, whether we know it or not, right? But no tolerance for abuse, hate, damage. This division is not, that's not God's language. That is not light language. 
just not. And I think it's hilarious that, you know, some people believe, again, there's thinking, that some of the powers that be that are out there right now are light workers. And I'm like, really? They're spreading division. Light workers don't do that. We call shit out. But it's for the greater good. They don't perpetuate more drama and upset and hatred and division. That is not light language. That is not divine language. Truth is, even if it's not pretty, but it is inclusive. It brings people together, but it does stand against the dark. If we're feeling lost in all of that, can we ask for help? Absolutely. Every moment of the day, we should be anyway. The other part of it is we have free will, so we have to ask for insight. But then by doing so, We start creating a space to receive it. So we have to actually listen or get quiet enough to be receptive to what comes back, right? And so taking a minute to just breathe, to get right here, to let all the thoughts just float away and go and ask the cosmos, right? The divine, God, goddess, you know, eternal consciousness, the light, Grandma, right? You know, your angel, whomever you and whatever you most connect to that feels right. Say, you know, I need your help here. Help me understand this or show me the way. But then what we need to do is get still enough to step out of our heads to wait for the response. And it shows up in a plethora of different ways. Sometimes a thought, a song, right? Some lyrics, a commercial. I had a gal's mom. This gal thought I was nuts in a class once. I have a lot of these stories. And uh, I told her I kept seeing a dove. And she's like, whatever. <laughs> like She's polite, but she's just like, really? So generic. Whatever. Okay. My mom's not going to do that. Swear to God, she went home. She sent me an email after this. She went home, turns on the TV, dove soap commercial. She, she rolled her eyes and was like, really? No. Right? Too easy. Flips the channel. Touched by an angel where a dove flying off at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> happens it was it was her mom's favorite show she didn't turn it on on purpose she just bumped into it so license plates repetitive numbers you know coins everywhere feathers you know there's so many nudges from the divine sometimes you get your answer on a literal billboard or a license plate things show up via synchronicity and it's too trippy <laughs> to be imagining it or to make it up but watch for it. And they have to bring it in some form we can understand because they're in a different form than we are in spirit. I mean, that's really trippy when you say that to think about how I don't want to know how that works. It doesn't matter, but it happens. It just happens. And how do we know? Because it hits right when you need it. It's profound. And it's the way it strikes you. It's the way that it makes you feel. You know in there that it's something, even if the brain doesn't understand it, because the brain will always be catching up. The brain stores data and processes. It doesn't have that information yet. Of course, it's going to question it. It's going to take time for it to catch up. The brain will always be behind input and experiences. So we're one being with those uh, external and additional capacities, but but we're not multiple beings with multiple capacities. Is that what you're saying? Because if I'm having an experience... That's my being having the experience that's internalizing it. That's saying, you know what? That feels true. 
there's something familiar. Wow, you know, you light up and then your brain is like coming in, fuck it all up and, you know. <laughs> Dissect do, it, take it apart. Completely. Validation, you know, val- it's got to be, uh, what's the word I was looking for? I don't know. There's something in there. I needed, it needed to be uh, shown to prove it. Right, confirmed in some proven. way, validated. But you can never prove something like that. Right. right. Even that is a joke. Right. So, um Back to your question. So we are, yes, in my humble opinion of what I understand thus far, because I'm still always learning, a being having a human experience. What happens is that we perceive something as a conscious entity, but we perceive it through our human form and then try to make sense of it and understand it through our mechanisms. So it can distort or dilute the information, which is where we have to be careful as readers, because not my job to interpret the information if I do it's now gone through my input rather than whatever pure form it came in right that's for the client we can also however though this is a little more out there and I'm not a quantum physicist so (laughs) forgive me on this one but there are theories that yes you can have a whole group of souls that are working with and or through one person we can also be according to physics having more than one lifetime at this time. And I giggle about that. I'm like, well, that makes sense. That's why I get flighty sometimes because I'm probably somewhere else (laughs) doing something else at the same time. But time isn't linear in the cosmos. So you can be having all kinds of experiences. But we in this human body and experience, yes, we take whatever's coming in and then I call it running it through the chipper. (laughs) We run it through our systems to try to make sense of it and understand it. But the more we do that, the more we actually diminish the experience we're having rather than just being with it. If you can stay with the experience as long as you can, more of it will unfold, more understanding actually comes with it too, more knowing and information follows. Where do you think we get meaning from? I think we create meaning via our thought. And so are you meaning kind of more purpose? Meaning has a lot of meaning. I, I get that. Understood. I'm so with you on it. That's all like, which context do we mean? So maybe experiential meaning. The biggest key with that is, again, coming back to how things resonate. For how we respond to something we are experiencing. I think that our mental constructs, our different beliefs, uh, our different experiences start creating our understanding and meaning, right, of how we determine something else happening. So we put labels and understanding on things, and so it's going to have a certain meaning in that sense, again, mm-hmm. through thinking. So that's determined by the individual, but higher meaning via the soul, it can only come via experience and perception that way and how it resonates and what's interesting is it precedes the mind it comes via you know comes prior to thinking and it lasts longer than the thinking too it's still there you ever get an instinct and then you try talking it away it keeps popping back up again the truth's always there whether we want to look at it or we don't i think we apply meaning via our own thinking via our own constructs is the truth the parts of that deeper consciousness that we are sort of following in our blueprint that we then start to hear whispers and crumbs is what I call them. And then start to awaken to that. Beautifully stated. So as we start becoming more intrigued, more curious 
um, we become more aware. Therefore, we start becoming more conscious. We start allowing more experiences into our humanness, right? The human perceptions. We start allowing more perception. And beautifully stated on your end, deep within our core, which is more kind of where we oftentimes tend to feel our being, right? Or our Mm -hmm. intuition, our instincts. That inner knowing connects to truth itself. Our own connectedness to truth itself, we've got this internal kind of meter, this internal mechanism that will register whether something's right or not right, whether it's okay or not okay, whether it's safe or not safe, whether it's true or not true. So your intuition is tied to the truth, your Mm -hmm. vibes. Our own feelings are tied to our truth. Isn't that interesting? So we as humans can have our own reality, our own perception of what is, because it's our perception of how we're thinking about what is. But if you think of truth itself as actuality, meaning the actual, without our opinions, without our distortion, without our bias, our work as best as we're able, and it's not easy because as long as we have a mind, it's going to be tricky, to perceive what's true as best as we can and to be willing to experience it as it is. When there is less distance between your reality and actuality, you have less stress. When our thinking, our reality, is different than actuality, we have more stress. It's to the degree that we are crazy, right? Unfortunately, the brain being such a computer is always trying to enforce its pictures on the universe, and that rarely works because we keep wondering why people don't change because we think they should. We keep wondering why things are different because we think they ought to be. And then we stew and stew and stew running around in our computer. It's still not changing anymore. Right. That's interesting. But our consciousness is tapped into that actuality all the time. That's what I wondered. Yeah. Our consciousness, our being is at one. As you mentioned, that was a great phrase too. We're at one with a part of, connected to the all that is. Truth itself, actuality itself all the time. It's that we turn our perceptions away from it. We turn inward into our head. We turn into those trances. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's really wild. It makes sense, though. I mean, I totally am tracking with what you're saying. I, I totally get It's like a lot of people are running around with virtual reality goggles on their eyes all the time, freaking out. <laughs> but it's because they're looking at the pictures in their head. <laughs> now, for those of us that are good old school, think of Viewmasters. <laughs> Total Viewmaster, man. I'm, I'm in the Grand Canyon now. Here right? I am. And the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and there is healthy directing of the consciousness like it is great and healthy to think of taking some time at the Grand Canyon and chilling out (laughs) taking a walk you know around the Eiffel Tower but when we allow our mind to go off the beaten path and we get stuck in these movies that aren't so great and then we perpetuate them and create them but we're in them so they're now real hence the term reality right they have nothing to do with what's going on outside of us it's our beliefs and perceptions not interesting of what we think is or how we think it ought to be And then we manifest and create more and more stress, more and more dissonance. When we are in alignment with what's true, same as if we get like an epiphany or an idea, even if we don't like it, it brings clarity and it brings calm. The stress starts dissipating, even if you don't like it. The aha is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Grr, even if I don't like it, right? So then how did the, how did the spirits 
people who have passed on or loved ones, how do they play a part in sort of bridging or connecting or uh, I picture like the glue or whatever. There's something about like the reality and the, the truth and the consciousness and the actuality. How do they help without us even knowing it? What are they doing? Um, well, they do spend a lot of time journeying, progressing, learning, you know, experiencing different things that make themselves feel great. But they are already part of truth, the all that is. They're integrated with all that, kind of the greater I am, right, or oneness of everything. And because they're in this lighter, better state, any of their communication is going to be more in alignment that way. Now, we still, when we're communicating with them, though, we do still get bits of their human self. So I always joke, you don't want to talk to Uncle Joe if he was a gambler about your finances. <laughs> like, it's still great. It's still great and important to pick the best source possible for what it is you're wanting to know about like grandma's great to talk to when you need a heart to heart about dealing with humanity right and day-to-day life issues because she's so caring and so wise so choosing your source is very important i always ask that the highest and most accurate or best source for what it is that we're needing is a you know be available um and what they do because they have more clarity than we do even loved ones in your day-to-day, like if it's a grandma or dad popping in, they'll oftentimes say, oh my goodness, I know you're going through this hard time. Or, hey, I heard about this awesome job deal. That's fantastic. So they bring their clarity because they can see a bit more than we can. They're ahead of us in time a little bit. They're in that deja vu space that we get a glimpse of once in a while. They're always a little ahead, seeing where we're, tr- seeing where <laughs> we're trending, right? We're just dragging along with gravity slowly, catching up. And so they will bring in helpful insight oftentimes. Isn't that nice to be like, hey, I know you're pondering X, Y, Z move, but maybe you want to wait a little bit, you know, or yes, go now (laughs) or the house will be fine. Right. So they just have beautiful, clear insight that we and our mind can't always tap into or grab. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun and helpful, which is nice because we need that down here, don't we? They, uh, are a great navigational source. I just heard. I like that phrasing. Yeah, I mean, and, and it makes sense. I think there's a lot to navigate. It's hard to know where true north is. Yep, and they've got the bird's eye view. So, what do they? I mean, what do they think of everything that's happening right now? <sighs> what would they say? What do, what do they? What do you tend to hear about what they think about what's happening right now? Uh, some of the people's family members that have left had sa- have said, I'm so glad I'm not here now because they wouldn't be able to handle it. Most of the consensus that I have gotten, though, is that the light will return. I keep seeing better times ahead, that we need to hunker down, do our good where we can, but that it's going to get better. And it isn't just hope. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a knowing, like not hang in, we'll get there someday. It is things are going to be fine. We're not out of the woods yet. There's still more to come, but there is a dismantling of what's not working and of the old, and the light is being shined where it needs to be so that we pay attention to what we haven't been seeing or we haven't been attending to, and it's not pretty at all. But there is so much divine support, cosmic support. There's so much help. And oddly enough, one of the things that I keep hearing is part of why some of the different people are passing. We need them in that state more than we think we need them here. And that's hard for me because I'm like, no, we need more of the good people down here right now. 
but they've got work to do up there. You know, they're assembling to get us through these times. And there is a greater dawn coming. What about like just telling people? I mean, I, I maybe I'm just t- trying to tell you so I can tell myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, maybe I'm just needing to say it out loud, but sure, sure. trying to find the beauty in the uncertainty. Oh, it's not easy. It's not easy, is it? But they, they help us with that. They keep the light going. And that's what some of us are down here to be doing, to keep the hope going, to create the beauty, be the beauty, help others find the beauty. And this is where we get back to some of the simple things of, of humanity. It is trying to find, and I think 2020, this is one of the many things that we have gotten from it. It's teaching us to appreciate the little things, to be grateful for what things might be working, because it's not a lot right? To start working on more human connectedness. And sometimes we have to create the beauty for ourselves wherever we go. So it's really interesting right now. I'm, I'm hearing something. I'm hearing it too. I'm hearing this buzzing. It's like a vibration. Can you hear it? Oh, I hadn't heard it yet. That's so cool. This is really nice. weird. I'm not kidding. I'm hearing in my head. It's like a uh, 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 uh. it has like a rhythm it's like a knot on my end isn't that fun so you that that means that you probably have an energy oh around God. you really energy. Creepy. i am hearing i am hearing something in my headphones i'm like okay well, is there something if you get like a buzz i love it i wish i were hearing it i love music <laughs> or beats I'm hearing it, people. I'm telling you right now in my headphones. Do you have right. any idea who it is? What I'm loving is it's when we're talking about the beauty, we're talking about trying to find hope or light and the uncertainty. And oftentimes we get responses, you know, in that way. So you have somebody that just stepped in. They're affecting the energy. I'm totally hearing it tools. in my headphones. This is so- <laughs> That's actually your grandma, which I think is so wild because I would not have expected it to be her. I would have expected that to be like your pup or, an, or a guide or someone else. But what I what I keep hearing is there's hope for humanity. As we create little bits of light and beauty for ourselves, little bits of heart, and then share it, it passes the torch, it keeps it going, it sparks it, it becomes this remarkable catalyst that we're needing. They're right there with you. You've got some amazing... Uh, native shaman energy just behind your right shoulder too so you've got some powerhouses that are stepping in for certainty which is pretty awesome as well that's interesting because i just did an ayahuasca thing this last weekend Ah, no kidding (laughs) (laughs) some of the tribes are stepping in isn't that fun there you Uh, go but, you know, and I'm and I'm not trying to like create something that's no. not there. I'm no, telling no, no, everybody no. who's who's listening. As I was sitting here, this pulsing sound, I can hear it still in my headphones right now. It's like a current, like a wave, and I can hear it, and it's filtering, and it's constant, and it's buzzing, and it's in my ears right now. Yeah, and the timing's fascinating. It really is. This is it. Really is. But you know, I I feel like the everything that you've shared. Um, is uh, for anybody who's feeling down or skeptical or lost or disconnected or disassociated. Sure. um, You know, I think what you're saying is true about just taking the moment and just letting whatever may be out there for help to settle in at least for a moment of just 
something, yeah. letting it in. Yep. We need that light. We need to, be able to let it, let the light in. It's what we're needing. And isn't it interesting when we're needing information, if we don't have it, we have to allow it in from some other source, from some other way. The solutions, the information that we're needing are beyond us. It's in the ethers. It's in the divine. It's in spirit. All these different names that we have for it. And to take moments to let the help in, to let the hope in, to let the guidance and the support in. So we can get somewhere. Well, and how can people connect with you? I know you teach classes and you do private sessions. And um, I'm very interested in taking this class in October that you're going to be offering. So if people want to reach out and connect, I know I can put your website up. But what is it sure. that you offer that you can, people can reach you? Yes. Well, I do sessions, right? Of course. So mediumship work, intuitive work. So if people are dealing with life stuff, I also do mentoring for people understanding their gifts. Um, I do quite a variety of classes, which are changing all the time um, because I love helping empower people to empower themselves, right? To create more stability, more clarity, more calm, more consciousness, because boy, aren't we needing that on the planet, right? And People that are truly conscious are people that are awake. Most people that think they're woke aren't. They're spouting stuff in their head. We want to get people right here so we can take action and do things that are benefit for everyone. So, yep, we have classes of all different shapes and sorts and varieties, and they work for people on all levels of training. So askrenee.com is my website. So A-S-K-R-E-N-E-E. This has been so inspiring and interesting and I'm so grateful you took the time and I, I just wanted to have this conversation with you and I knew that it would be important for me. I'm so glad. It's been lovely talking with you too. Thanks so much for listening to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. It's been a real honor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or comments or would like to connect with me about one-on-one -on -one midlife coaching or to purchase the book, Me, My Selfie, and I, a midlife conversation about lost identity, grief, and seeing who you are, visit www.janalopez.com. Lastly, if and when you should have a moment of doubt, because we all do, in the middle of the midlife transitions and changes, remember that seeing is relieving. Really